Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. This episode is in response to a really good question from one of my psychology business school students. And she hit on a problem faced by many of us when we start our businesses. There is usually a lot that we don't know and we can't predict. We might have caring responsibilities that vary from week to week. We might have children with unpredictable needs. We might have patchy childcare. I mean, you all know if you've been listening to this for a while, I have very much lived that experience Um, and I'm still very much there. I really don't know what my childcare situation will look like when this baby (laughs) is born. Uh, At the time of recording, I'm pregnant with my third child and we've had quite a lot of instability in in our lives. Instability, that's not a word, instability (laughs) in our lives so far. And my practice has had to work around that. We also, we might face location instability. We might have to move house or we might have some other kind of instability in our lives. And as a forces spouse, I've faced a lot of those hurdles. And although I've often felt it to be very overwhelming, I have often felt that it was impossible. With the help of business coaches and some really wise colleagues, I've always found a way to make things work because my work is really important to me. And for me, it was never gonna be the right option to give it up or put it off indefinitely. Now that is the right option for some people and that's absolutely fine. But if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you've already decided that you need to do something and that your business serves a purpose which drives you to the point where you need to do it even though you're facing a bit of uncertainty. So in this episode I'm going to share the key things that I think from my learning that you need to consider if you're launching in a time of uncertainty. And the first one of those is why are you doing this now? So there are lots of reasons you might have decided to launch a business at a time that most people would see as difficult. Commonly, these could include stuff like financial reasons, sometimes it's about personal fulfillment, a need for community, or to have a creative outlet. For me, it was actually all of those things. I I had financial pressure that meant I didn't really have the option to not work at all, but I also needed the creative outlet of my work, and I needed the sense of community that working brought me as well. So it's really important to be clear here about why you're doing it and write it down. It should be at the top and centre of your business plan and planning could not be more important. We're going to talk about that loads today. So at the top of your piece of paper, you need to write down why you are bothering to do this. Because in the beginning, you're going to have very limited time and you're going to need to prioritise the tasks that you could be doing in order to focus solely on those that bring you closer to your main priorities. So for example, if you've got financial pressure and the reality is that you need to earn a certain amount per month, your first focus needs to be on activities that make that a reality. The second thing you need to think about is planning your week around your hours and being realistic about that. The number of people, psychologists and therapists that I speak to in coaching sessions who actually don't know how many hours they realistically have available to work. 
often we tell ourselves that we're full time when we're actually working school hours. Now, school hours, if you're lucky and you don't have a very long school run to do, are what, like nine till three? I've been doing that since January for the first time and I can tell you that's not full time. So you you need to adjust your expectations for the number of hours you realistically have available to work and how many you actually want to work. And then you set your expectations and goals according to that. So you really can't expect yourself to earn a full-time salary in two days per week. If that's your goal, then yes, long-term, it might be possible. People do achieve that. You know, we see it all the time, don't we? Especially in the online space. You see people creating passive income products, allow them to do that. It's possible. I'm not saying that it isn't, but it isn't going to happen quickly. It's not going to happen right now. It's not going to happen within the first year of your business. You're going to have to put in a lot of graft and probably full-time graft to lead you to that point. So you need to be realistic about your time available to work and your salary and the rest of your goals, expectations need to line up with that time. And if there's somebody else in your life who might need a reality check on that, then this is the time to give it to them early on. (laughs) Um, And again, you know, I'm not saying that to be harsh, but sometimes we might have uh, partners or other members of our family that, that think that private practice is going to be really, really lucrative. And they expect that we can match our NHS salary in just two days per week. Well, that might be true if you could fill every single hour with a client um, and and you could command the top fee for that. But the fact is you need time to actually run the business <laughs> as well. Um, and you won't be able to command that top fee if you don't have time to do the marketing and the admin and all the rest of it. And you also, you're not going to be able to offer a high quality service to actually command that top fee if you don't have thinking time, supervision time, CPD time, all of that stuff. So so generally, sometimes um, it's a common story that there are other people in our lives that need that reality check as well as just us. So if you've got to do it, rip off that plaster, do the reality check now. <laughs> okay, my next piece of advice is take as much off your plate as you possibly can. Get as much childcare other care support, domestic support, ironing, cleaning, whatever you can afford to get taken off your plate, get it taken off your plate. If you have family or friends who can help you, don't be afraid to ask. And I'm saying that as somebody who didn't have that option when I set up my business, I really didn't have family or friends around who could offer any of that support. But if you do, please don't be scared to ask for it. There's no merit to doing this on your own. Building a business takes time and building a successful business takes a village. Trying to do it all when you should be sleeping is just a recipe for burnout, reduced productivity and ultimately bad work. (laughs) So again, that sounds a little bit harsh, doesn't it? I'm just really passionate about this subject. I do not want you um, to, to think that you can work every hour that you should be resting and that you should be sleeping. It's not compatible with the kind of work that we do. Even if you're you know, not planning a one-to-one therapy practice, if you're planning um, maybe to write books or you're planning to create online courses, you still need your creative brain to be functioning for that. And it will not be if you're working every hour in between um, you know, childcare responsibilities or other caring responsibilities. So please, please, please 
get support and plan your working hours around the support that you have. And that might mean that for a while you have to take things really slow. So as as a lot of you know who've listened to this from the beginning, I started creating this podcast and I actually had the idea for Psychology Business School and the Do More Than Therapy membership in the first lockdown, in the first COVID-19 lockdown. And I had about one hour a day where I could work. And that was about all that was available to me. I had no support at all. All our childcare provision had closed. My husband had been sent away. And I had a, at the time, three-year-old and two-year-old to look after. And, you know, they're kids that hate TV. I know, how cruel. They still do as well. (laughs) Um, so, So I knew I had no time at all during the day. Um, but I might have an hour in the evenings to do a bit of social media, uh, maybe record a podcast every now and again, because I, I needed that for a sense of community. But I knew it wasn't going to be more than an hour, because if I gave it more than an hour, I then wouldn't have time to sleep or eat my tea or, <laughs> or have a shower. Um, so I had to be realistic about that and plan what I could achieve um, in that time, realistically. And that was quite painful. I, I really didn't want to scale down my goals to that level um, but I'm so so glad that I did and I'm, I'm going to record a, a different episode and a different day about the benefits that that brought me um, but all I'll say now is that if that's what you've got just make a plan that works with that um, your mental health will thank you and actually the quality of your work will thank you too I also wanted to speak a little bit to a problem that I see a lot in the psychologists and therapists that I coach um, and that I talk to in the weekly coaching calls we have in Psychology Business School. And this is what I call the childcare trap. This is where you feel that you can't afford the childcare that you know you need to get your business started. And I was in that position and it's a really awful place to be. Um, So I just wanted to share the steps that I took to get out of it. And I recommend this way of working if you don't have a cushion of startup money underneath you. I mean, if you possibly can have kind of three months or so of your old salary in the bank as, as a startup fund so that you can afford childcare from day one, then I would definitely do that. Definitely do that. Um, but if you're not in that position and I wasn't, this is a strategy that can help you kind of slowly but surely get out of that childcare trap. So number one to get out of the trap is focus on networking and high touch marketing to secure enough paying clients to cover the childcare that you need. So I'm going to link in the show notes to episodes I've already created on how you can get those first clients and the most effective way. It is not social media, it's all about networking, talking to people directly. So I'd focus all of your energy on getting those first few clients through networking and those referral channels. So I'll link to that if you need to follow that strategy. Secondly, as soon as you have those clients, get enough childcare to cover those clients plus one additional day per week for business development time. You need it. You can't do without that. Then step three, (laughs) very important, set your fees um, so they're high enough to make this work. So if you need a reminder of how to make sure that your fees aren't going to push you into an unsustainable pattern of work, then check out our episode and blog post with Sally Farrant for her formula on how to price yourself. So you need to have fees that are high enough to cover that extra day for business development. Um, 
it's it's not as difficult as it sounds. Sally provides us with a really simple formula. But essentially, my main advice is to remember that you can't do it all and never expect yourself to do something that you would advise your best friend against. There is time for everything and you can do all the amazing stuff in your business, but you can't do it all at once. There are seasons for everything, as the Americans put it. So look out, look at your year and plan out when things that you'd like to work on are most likely to fit and then create a, a best case plan where everything goes swimmingly and you get the clients that you need and you know you get out of the childcare trap and everything works really well. And then also create a bare minimum plan that just covers your needs for now and, and be comfortable with both of those plans. Are you looking to build an independent practice that is fulfilling, impactful and financially rewarding? Did you know that I run a business course that's designed to help you do exactly that without making all the mistakes I made along the way? Over 12 weeks, we take you through everything you need to know to set up a practice that lets you live your values. Through a combination of teaching from experts, legal templates to make sure your practice is covered, peer support and group coaching sessions, this is the place for anyone looking to get off the starting blocks in private practice. The course is always accessible in pre-recorded format and three times a year we run a live cohort. So what are you waiting for? Join us at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash the psychology business school. The link's in the show notes. The next thing that you need to think about if you're launching a business or a new project at a time of uncertainty is contingency planning. And this is all about protecting your practice if something unexpected or really difficult happens that's going to take you out of action for a while. It's really important if life is a little bit complicated for you. To be honest, we should probably all be doing it. Um, And certainly 2020 was a year that has taught many of us that we really need to do this. So I hope that anybody listening to this will find some value in it. But it is particularly important if you know it's likely that you could be kind of knocked out of action for some reason. So what is a contingency plan? Well, a contingency plan is basically a set of clear instructions for what should happen if you are suddenly out of action. So for a therapy practice, these are the sorts of things it could include. Who's going to notify clients slash patients and how are they going to be notified? What will happen to your ongoing clients? Do you have associates some cases could go to? Would it be appropriate for your supervisor to hold some of them? Are you going to refer on? And if you are going to refer on, who are you going to refer on to? How will you share essential information with these other professionals? How will clinical responsibility be held or shared? What are the arrangements for your return to work when that happens? How will ongoing admin be handled? Now, all through this process, you need to be involving other people in the plan, letting the key people in your network who you might be calling upon under these circumstances contribute to the development of the plan, making sure they're comfortable with it so that there's no kind of toing and froing between you if you need to implement this plan. When the COVID-19 first lockdown struck, I really didn't have any time to um, to communicate with the professionals that I was relying upon. 
Um, so one thing that made it really stressful was having to negotiate all of this stuff backwards and forwards at a time when I'd already lost my childcare and I was already really stressed out. So one thing I've taken from that is that when I create these contingency plans in my practice now, I make sure that the professionals, uh, my admin support, everybody who works with me knows exactly what I'm putting in this plan so that it can just be implemented seamlessly if I need it. Another thing you need to consider is making sure that your terms and conditions that you give to clients or third parties reflect that you might need to share data with these people under these circumstances. Now, a lot of people, we already have clauses like that in our um, terms and conditions, but you just need to check that they're there and that they will cover you for sharing with these people. Um, and there may be certain people who need data sharing agreements with as well. So you might need something signed to say that you know, you, you're know both following the same model of data protection and that you both follow the same rules. Again, if you've got associates or a super, supervision agreement with somebody, you may well already have those agreements in place, but you just need to double check them. Now, my final piece of advice on contingency planning is create template emails and standard operating procedures for all admin tasks and all correspondence with clients or other professionals so that this can be handed over to someone else really easily and without any cognitive strain on you. So we've created a separate episode on creating how to create these standard operating procedures, which is just a, a tick list basically of all the tasks that need to happen to get something done. Um, and in that episode, I also talk about creating email templates for standard emails. And I just say it could not be more important. That way you can just, you know, send maybe one message to your admin support and say, look, worst case scenario has happened. Um, I am going to be out of the office and I don't know when I'm going to be back. Please implement the plan and they can just do it. And they'll probably need to check in a few things with you. But at the end of the day, if you've got clear enough standard operating procedures and they were involved in creating it, there shouldn't be that much that you actually need to be involved in. If you're not at the stage yet where you've got admin support, it may be that you can buddy up with another person that you know in private practice, another mental health professional that you trust, and you can do this for each other. So you could hold their contingency plan and they can hold yours and it could be them that implements this for you. So don't think that you have to have a paid team member um, to be able to implement this. You can do contingency planning and you can hand that over to somebody else. You just need to find somebody that you trust to do that um, and that you've got that data sharing agreement with. So I really hope that this episode has shown you that you can launch in a time of uncertainty. It just takes a little bit of extra planning. And I, I, I want you to feel confident about it because some of our best ideas come from the adversity that we're facing. And often a business that springs from a challenging time can be the most impactful for us and for the people that we help. So I, I hope that this episode has been reassuring for you. Certainly, you know, for me, I set up the Business of Psychology podcast, the Do Modern Therapy membership, and eventually Psychology Business School, all in a massive period of uncertainty for me. And they're now a huge part of my work, a huge part of my life. Um, and 
I hope, really beneficial <laughs> to the community as well. Um, so I, I hope that that's a bit of proof for you that you might have to take it slow in the beginning and slower than you want to, but you absolutely can do this and you don't need to put it off until life becomes more stable. You might just need to moderate what you expect of yourself and what you want to get done. Okay, so if you want a bit more support with business planning and you're listening to this in uh, summer 2021, then please do come and join us for our free training. So in August and September 2021, if you're listening in the future, we're running some free workshops to help you create a business plan that allows you to thrive and develop the fulfilling practice that you deserve. So it's perfect if you are planning to launch and you're you know, in a time of flux or uncertainty. It's also perfect if you're planning to launch and you're not in a time of flux or uncertainty. Um, but now booking is open so you can choose your date and book your space on the free training over at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash webinar and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Are you looking to build an independent practice that is fulfilling, impactful and financially rewarding? Did you know that I run a business course that's designed to help you do exactly that without making all the mistakes I made along the way? Over 12 weeks, we take you through everything you need to know to set up a practice that lets you live your values. Through a combination of teaching from experts, legal templates to make sure your practice is covered, peer support and group coaching sessions, this is the place for anyone looking to get off the starting blocks in private practice. Our last live cohort until after my maternity leave is starting in September 2021. So what are you waiting for? Join us now at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash the psychology business school. The link's in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy. Therapy.